0: Hi, I'm Kara. Welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast where together we learn how to embrace imperfection and the messes that life leaves behind and overcome our shortcomings. Together we will begin to not only see but to feel who we truly are and who God created us to be. Let's talk welcome to another episode. I am so grateful you are here. And today I want to start our episode by making sure you are aware of an incredible source. If you have not taken time to read the covenant in the come follow me manual, and then right after that page, there is what uh, does the Abrahamic covenant mean to me? Go and read it. It is so incredibly helpful and explains so much about the Abrahamic covenant. And I love taking time to read that. So, make sure that you do that. It is on page 27 and 28 of the Come Follow Me Old Testament manual. It is so good. So we are talking about Sarah today, and we will talk some about Hagar. Uh, Sarah is one of the women in the scriptures that we know the most about, which is Opposite of Noah's wife. So we learn about her character, we learn about her love of God and her desire to have a family. So we start off in Abraham 2 by reading the story of Abraham, Abraham telling the Egyptians that his wife is his sister. So why does he do this? <laughs> well, the Lord told him to, and she agreed to it because they she was so beautiful that they knew that the people would kill Abraham in order to keep her and take her. And so they they just decided to not tell the truth about that. And they were commanded to. So I want to read a little bit out of Walking with the Women of the Old Testament by Hannah Farrell. And I have referred to this book in the past and it it's incredible. And there's so much about Sarah and so much about Hagar, and I've learned a ton, but I feel like I'm only going to be able to put a tiny bit into this podcast episode. So I'd recommend buying it, reading it, getting it to the library, something like that. It is such a beautifully written book. Okay, so the this book by Hannah Farrell and then the Old Testament Study Guide both talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls giving us insight into what happens with this incident and so Hannah tells us about how they arrived in Egypt and they they had just like feared that the Egyptians saw that Sarah was very fair and we don't know how Sarah felt about the abduction right like she was taken and we don't know anything. So the Dead Sea Scrolls, Tell us about Abraham's feeling so. He said, And I, Abram, Abram, wept aloud that night, and I and my nephew Lot, because Sarai had been taken from me by force. I prayed that night and begged and implored, and I said in my sorrow that my tears ran down. Blessed art thou, O most holy God, Lord of all the worlds, I cry now before thee because of my wife who has been taken from me by force. Judge me for me that I may see thy mighty hand raised against him and against all his household and that he may not be able to defile my wife this night separating her from me and that they may know thee my lord that thou art the lord of all the kings of the earth and i wept and was sorrowful okay so we learn of abram's love for his wife in in that little section so it gives us his deep love, but also helps us appreciate the miracle that happens in Genesis 12, which tells us that the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because Sarai, Sarai Abram's wife. So we don't know what kind of plague was put on them, but the Dead Sea Scrolls tell us that it made it so Pharaoh was unable to approach her and although he was with her for two years, he knew her not. So Hannah tells us that there's commentators that have speculated that perhaps these plagues were sexually transmitted diseases that made it physically impossible for Pharaoh to be intimate with Sarah. So he sent wise men to Egypt to try and heal him, from Egypt to try and heal him, And he finally called Abraham, who explained to him that it was Sarai, his wife, who was the cause of the plague. And in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it says, So I, Abraham, prayed, and I laid my hands on his head, and the scourge departed from him, and the evil spirits were expelled from him, and he lived. And then he commanded Abraham and Sarah to leave Egypt, and they got to take the wealth that they had gained with them. So Sarah was with Pharaoh for two years, according to the Dead Sea Scrolls. That is a really long time and we don't have any input from her on this, but I imagine that it was probably traumatic to some degree. So they left um, Egypt, Sarah and Abraham and Lot all traveled to the land of, I'm not good at names you guys, Memre, where um, they had been before they left for Egypt and then they discovered they had too many animals to live in the same spot. So Lot chose to take the more prosperous northern land and he faced his tent towards Sodom and then Abraham took the land that didn't look so great. And that's where they lived out a lot of their remaining years. Okay, so Abraham is given what is called the Abrahamic covenant, which we refer to often. (laughs) So he was promised... Land for him and his posterity, and he was promised numerous posterity, the right to the priesthood for himself and his righteous posterity, right and responsibility to preach the gospel to all the world, which in turn blesses all nations, and salvation and exaltation. So a lot of these promises seemed completely out of reach. His wife was barren, she was not able to have children, they were getting older, and It just didn't even seem possible that this was going to happen. So Sarai, his wife, she couldn't have children. And so she gave him her handmaiden, whose name was Hagar. And Hagar becomes pregnant. And she actually sees an angel that comes to her and tells her that... hmm, the name of her son should be Ishmael. And so that is what she does. So in Genesis sixteen sixteen, we read that Abraham was four score and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael. So he was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. So he was still really old. And then 17, verse one, and when Abram was 99, Years 90 and 9, the Lord appeared unto him and said, I am an almighty God, walk before me, and be thou perfect, and I will make a covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. So he ends up talking to God and making these covenant, like having these covenants given to him. And they just figured that it was going to be through Ishmael. So in chapter 17, verse 19, Abraham is told that his wife, Sarah, is going to bear a son and that they need to name him Isaac. And it says, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall be yet, and I will make him a great nation." But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. So this miracle has just been given to them. And Abraham is 99, Sarah is 90, and they are very old. And he is told that he will have, be the father of a great nation and The interesting thing to think about with that is that that means that Sarah is the mother of all nations. What would that be like? (laughs) You don't have any children. They were both too old to have children. And it wasn't like the time that Adam, where people lived to be hundreds of years old. Hundred was not young. They feared that they would never have children. And I think that's relatable to so many people. Sarah's infertility is so relatable. In Genesis 18, I know this week only goes through 17, but Sarah's story continues. And so we're going to continue the story. In 18, we learn that three angels, which were holy men, according to the JST, came to see Abraham. And they fed them and... They were in the tent and they asked where Sarah was. And Abraham told them that she was in the other tent, which was customary in that day. So it's interesting to think that maybe they asked about Sarah to get her attention because she started listening. We learn in verse 10 of chapter 18 that Sarah hears what they say. Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. In verse 12, Sarah laughs at this news. She laughs within herself, the scriptures say. She knows she is old and past years to have a child. It doesn't seem possible with the age of her and the age of her husband. This still takes a little bit of time, and Sarah and Abraham travel to another place. And after this time, Sarah gives birth to Isaac, whose name actually means laughter and rejoice. So in Genesis 21 6 through 7, We hear from Sarah directly. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. So Sarah tells us about the joy Personally, she tells us about the joy, and the celebration was given, and Sarah then orders Hagar and Ishmael to leave, and in Hannah Farrell's book, she explains it so beautifully about what the situation was and why this was necessary. There was some birthright confusion, and and I'm sure some other things, and so Hagar and Ishmael leave, and... That is actually the last time we hear about Sarah until she dies. Abraham talks about her burial, she died at 127 years old and he talks about finding a burial place for her in chapter 23 of Genesis. So we also learn a little bit about Hagar and Ishmael in these later chapters. Um, not from this week I guess but they are wonderful and we have there's a great lesson that can be learned from Hagar so she leaves and she well Abraham is concerned he's grievous in the sight of this like leaving Ishmael and he is told that It says in verse 13 of chapter 21, And also of the son of thy bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. So he woke up early the next morning. He got bread and water. He gave it to Hagar. He put it on her shoulder and sent the two of them away. And she departed and wandered into the wilderness. So it's interesting to note that we know Abraham was 86 when... Ishmael was born, but he was closer to 99 or even 100 by the time Isaac was born. And so, and it's been probably three-ish years since Isaac was born. And so as much as it says child, Ishmael is probably 16, 17, 18 at this time that they're leaving. And so the what ends up happening is she's in the wilderness and there's there's nothing they run out of water and they run out of food and she uh Hannah talks about in her book Hannah Farrell, that she it says in the scripture that she cast a child under one of the shrubs because the water was gone and Hannah's insight is maybe she just didn't want to see her son die she had just lost her home and her family and it was just the two of them and she just couldn't bear it anymore and so she turned to the Lord and it says, And God heard the voice of the lad, who also prayed Ishmael. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad, which is he. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in thine hand, for I make him a great nation. For God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad a drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. The wilderness was a hard place for Hagar, and God didn't remove her from the wilderness. Instead, he gave her a well in the middle of the wilderness. He fulfilled her needs in her place of trial. He didn't take away the entire trial. And I think what we can learn from Hagar is that sometimes our wilderness stays with us for a very long time. But sometimes the Lord gives us water in the middle in the middle of our wilderness when we most desperately need it. He doesn't leave you alone. He knows you, and we learn that from Hagar. And she she was worried about what was going to happen, and. And Ishmael's prayer was answered, and God had mercy on her. She saw angels. (laughs) Hagar saw angels. Not a lot of people have that happen in the scriptures. Sometimes I think it feels like it does, but it's still rare. And she had a beautiful experience where she knew that God loved her and her son. So let's go also to the lessons that we learn about love from Sarah. Sometimes answers to prayer may not come for a very, 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 very long time. Sometimes they may not even come in this life. God's timing is perfect, even if it doesn't feel like it. I'm sure Sarah thought God's timing was terrible. She was old, she died when her son was not very old. He was probably in his like 30s, early 30s when he died. And I'm sure his timing felt so awkward, but it was his timing, which means it was perfect. And I'm sure she just embraced it and and took in every moment. Sometimes we can see God in the peace and acceptance of how life is. I think Sarah and Abraham were able to find joy in their life, even without children. They served and strengthened others in their lives, and they were committed to living a life with God in it. And when we can accept life how it is, even if it doesn't look anything like we anticipated, we can find peace and acceptance through the atonement of Jesus Christ in those things that we wish we had, but we don't. So sometimes we do things that are hard, and we they hurt our heart because we're trying to do the best we can. Um, I think this goes for a lot of different things. They can go for when Abraham and Sarah um, said they were sibling, Said they were yeah siblings w- in Egypt. Um, I'm sure that was really hard, and even when they sent Ishmael and Hagar away. I'm sure to some extent that was hard. And even giving Abraham, Abraham Hagar, I'm sure that was really heartbreaking. God sees love in small moments of love you receive from those around you. So we can see God's love in the everyday small things that people are doing for us and around us. We just need to look for his hand more often in our lives. I think it's there a lot more prevalent prevalently than we give him credit for Uh, we also learn that your heartbreak is known he knows and sometimes that's hard because it feels like he's ignoring our heartbreak or trial or our struggle or like just the pit that sits in our stomach when we just don't understand what's happening and it just takes a long time sometimes to feel like the that God's even acknowledging that that exists. And again, I think it goes back to seeing the love of him in small moments of our lives, to see where he is in our story, because he is in your story. But sometimes we have to look a lot harder to find him. There is a bigger picture. How could Abraham and Sarah even imagine what having posterity that was numbered as the sand in the sea was like when they didn't even have one child. When it was impossible, it seemed to have one child. And God just says, I can. I can do it. God sees you. He knows your situation just like He knew Sarah and Abraham's and even Hagar and Ishmael's. He knows the outcome that you cannot see He knows it. And sometimes that is really hard. In the waiting, it's hard to know that God knows the outcome. And sometimes he allows the Spirit to testify to us that it's going to work out. But it still makes the waiting hard. He knows you. He knows your situation. He knows your outcome, just like he knew Sarah's outcome. He sees you, and he loves you, and he answer, He has answers for you when the time is right. This week, work on trusting in the Lord's timing and having faith that he will give you the sounds of the sea when it's right. He loves you. He sees you and he knows your situation. And it will be okay. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're willing to help me out and you love today's episode, please share it with a friend. Leaving a review is actually extremely helpful as well and allows other people to find the podcast. So if you are enjoying listening, please leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. And remember today you are enough.